0: Hello and welcome to the money nerds podcast where owning a calculator budgeting your money and having a net worth is actually cool I'm your host Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show Hey, do you need a financial coach? If so, let's work together. As a coach, I help you get structure around your finances, visualize your ideal life, whatever that looks like for you. And more importantly, put together a strategy to help you get there. A lot of people hire me because they want to pay off debt faster and more efficiently and boost up their savings or increase their credit score. And those are all awesome goals. Financial coaching just helps you because I hold you accountable the entire way. Yeah, for better or worse, we're kind of like we're married. So if you want to take the podcast concepts that you're learning here and apply those to your life with my help, then you need to apply for coaching at WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. Once again, that's WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. I am so stoked to work with you and help you reach your financial goals. Hey, Money Nerds. I thought today might be kind of a fun time to give you an update on the giant flower pot in Idaho that we're in the process of building to kind of give you an idea of what a brand new construction, new business kind of looks like so that you might, I don't know, I guess see a little bit more behind the scenes. So let's go ahead and dive in. So if you're brand new to the podcast and you're like, what the crap are you even talking about? What is a giant flower pot? Well, in 2022, so last year, I submitted for the Airbnb OMG fund. And I kind of came up with this like really weird idea of creating a giant life-size flower pot that you can sleep inside. And it would be surrounded by a flower farm in the future. Who knows if that's going to be this year or the following, but that was kind of the premise. Now throughout this whole Airbnb OMG fund, the whole contest progressed and you had to do different you know, levels of detail and like a budget and a breakdown and like a timeline and how you would spend funds. And the whole thing is there were tens of thousands of applications all across the world. They chose 100 people to award $100,000 and that would help you with the portion of the build. So that's what we're up to. And we got our idea accepted. We we won, which kind of freaked me out and excited me at the same time. And so now my mom and I are starting this business together where this will be my second Airbnb property. And we are going to be doing a giant flower pot. So this one's a little bit different because it's very different than the dome. With the dome, we were able to do pretty much all of the work ourselves because there was no tight deadline. With this, it has to be turnkey by August first, And so that is a very, very tight deadline, which means we have to hire people to help us with the project to keep it moving forward since it's two hours away, two and a half hours maybe from Boise. And so I have to commute back and forth there as well. I don't know why I can't seem to pick a project in my own backyard. That would make so much more sense, but that's just not the way my cards are working (laughs) these days. So I wanted to give you kind of a sneak peek into like how we organize this project. So the organization piece of any project I think is really interesting and fascinating because that's where it can make or break the entire process. So what my mom and I do is we kind of live and die by this Google sheet that we've created. In the Google sheet, it has a task list. So we've broken things up by phases. So step one was getting all of our permitting in place. Uh, Step two is like getting contractors lined up. So we really did like think through the process in different phases. And we're just, you know, focusing on one phase at a time. And so the way we're organizing this is we have a master list of any contractors, uh, like concrete workers, stucco people, framers, uh plumbers, electricians, like if you think of all of the different contractors that's who we're reaching out to. And so the way that we're organizing this because we're making oh man, I wish I was joking when I say it's probably at least like 20 phone calls per week at, on the low end and that's like following up with people, reaching out to people, asking or answering questions just so that we can get Bids. We're going to get to the contractor piece, but we have our spreadsheet that we have all of their contact information. We have it color coded based off of if we get responses, if we are waiting for information or if it's just a hard no. So we have all of that stuff kind of detailed out in one singular spreadsheet. And then it's helpful too, because we have dates on which we were able to reach out to people. So we'll do the date of first follow-up, second follow-up, third follow-up. I thought three was going to be enough. No, no, I was very wrong. We probably need to have like 10 follow-up quote, like lines so that we can start to track that. And then we assign it to a specific person. So it'll either be assigned to myself to reach out to people or my mom. So that way we're not reaching out to the same people over and over again, because that's annoying and very inefficient. So that's how we're doing that portion. And then of course, I have a spending tracker. It's a project. I have to keep really good records of how much we're spending. So it's a really big deal. And we also have to submit like receipts and different proof of that we're actually using the, the fund for the build. Like I can't just go take that money and take a sweet vacation. It actually has to be spent on the property itself. So that's a little bit about how we're organizing all this stuff. It's really quite robust. I actually did a an Instagram video on my Instagram. It's at Idaho Flowerpot, if you want to check out what we're working on. So I did a kind of behind the scenes look into this spreadsheet that we have created and what we're tracking. So it's kind of fun. That's how we're staying organized. Now, the way that most projects work is you start backwards. If you know it has to be turnkey by August 1st, what are these steps that you have to have? Like what, what time do you have to have certain things done by so that you stay on track? The crappy thing right now is we're kind of waiting for the ground to thaw. So we, we can't actually get into the property yet. So we're just kind of waiting around until the ground thaws and we can get in there. We have our permits in place. We have our contractors mostly lined up, I'd say. And that has been the biggest struggle. So let's talk about that. Getting contractors. I need to do an entire episode about what to do and what not to do because I have had horror stories on what not to do. I've made some really stupid mistakes myself. I have lost a ton of money hiring contractors in the past there's a lot there, but with this specific project, it's been a little bit different. So the way that we've been approaching the contractors is we are essentially functioning as a general contractor. Now, if this is something that's new to you and you're like, what on earth even is this? Like, let's break this down. So a general contractor is, think of it as like a master project manager. They're the ones that are reaching out to all of these subcontractors and the subcontractors in this example would be like your concrete work, your foundation, your site work, your septic installer, your well driller, your plumber, your electrician, your framer, those are all subcontractors. And so generally speaking, a general contractor has relationships with each of these subcontractors where they would say, hey, I've got a homeowner that wants to build a 1500 square foot home and it looks like this are you able to do this portion of the project so they're they're just like master organizer right and then generally general contractors they get paid a fee. Like they, of course, like their time is valuable too. So they get paid a specific fee. And sometimes it's the cost of materials plus a certain percentage. What I usually have been seeing is it's, if you hire a general contractor, it's cost plus 20%. That's kind of what I'm seeing. I think it depends on the contractor and how they structure their business. I'm just sharing what I have found from making literally hundreds of phone calls. So now as a homeowner, the risk is if you decide to be your own general contractor, like what my mom and I are doing to save some of the money and because we want to do some of the work, like the interior piece, we want to do that. I would love to do pretty much all of it. I just don't have the time frame to do it, but I think this stuff is so much fun. I just don't have the time, unfortunately. So with this, the way that it works is the pros of doing it yourself is you obviously save a ton of money. If you're going to be your own general contractor, you do, you save a ton of money. Now the cons are kind of big cons. Like it's harder to find subcontractors to take on your project because they don't have a relationship with you. You don't have the scale. So I'm not coming to them and saying, Hey, I'm going to build, you know, 50 duplexes over the next five years. I want to work with you. You don't have that scale. So they don't really make you like great deals. And it's all, Also harder to get them to agree to your project sometimes. Now, that's like how that world works in general. Here's the crazy thing. When you add in the complexity of a unique build or a unique home, immediately if it's not with the traditional four square walls and like normal single family house, it becomes very, very difficult for people. And I think it's because it uh, takes a little bit longer and so they don't necessarily make as much money because they can't like rush through and get their job done and just work on their efficiencies because they've already built those up over the years. So finding contractors for unique builds, are it's really, really hard. I'm going to be honest, it's so hard. And I can truly tell you, I think I've had Maybe seven or eight people try to talk me out of this idea already, which I'm committed. There's nothing I can do about it, right? Like I'm not paying back that money. I'm making it happen. And so it's a little bit different. But the process that we've been going through for the contractors was actually very interesting. So I'll share one story. So finding somebody to frame a flower pot shaped house, as you can imagine, is not normal. I mean, to my knowledge, this is the only life-size flower pot house in the entire world. And so finding somebody that is skilled enough to be able to take that project on and has the creativity, is a good framer, like is just like a really good go-getter that has that creativity in their thinking is really hard to find. Thankfully, I was able to find somebody. Now, most people, what I was finding, were giving me quotes and bids that were either way, way too high or they were way, way too low to try to get the job. And I'm not totally an idiot with this field. I'm new to it, but I know to do my homework. I know when you're hiring contractors, you want a minimum of three bids. So you can start to see what is normal. Like what, what is the average cost? And it's hard to say from just one. So you really need multiple. But in addition to that, you want to make sure you don't get ripped off, right? So for something like framing or concrete, you almost have to go to the different supply companies and start to price out materials on your own. So then I can see, you know, if all of the framing costs, which I'm just making this number up. Let's say all of the framing costs is $5,000 and then I go to a contractor and they tell me that the framing cost for just materials is going to be 15,000. Well, then I know something's not quite right. And then if you get more bids, then pretty soon you can see, oh, here's what's going on. This person was overcharging me. This person's undercharging. You start to get a better idea of the scope and the landscape. So it is really important that you do get that detailed quote. What I find is it's very hard to get contractors to give you a detailed quote. They don't want to do it. They'll usually try to do a lump sum. And I guess that the reasoning behind I think it takes time to put together these quotes and it also takes a lot of energy for them to go through and start to figure out what's called a takeoff list. So you get your blueprints and then you say you need this many two by sixes or this many headers for the doors and the windows. Like you you start to like piece that stuff out and then you can start to see exactly what your shopping list is, so to speak. But that stuff, does take time. And unfortunately, a lot of contractors, they don't want to put in that time unless you're for sure going to go with them. And you don't know if you're for sure going to go with them because you need to see Are they reasonably priced? Are they trying to price gouge you? Are they undercharging just to get the job? Like, it's really, it's kind of a catch 22. It's really interesting. All that to say, getting contractors is very, very hard. And so, what I found is when I was thinking through how do I find somebody that's a creative framer? Because for us, this is kind of the most important piece. If it's not framed correctly, It'll look like a lopsided flower pot, which is like a big deal, right? Like who wants to stay at the fallen apart flower pot? Nobody does. And so finding somebody that has the skills to do that was really tricky. So we were hitting a wall, you guys, like totally hitting a wall, getting so many no's, getting yeses, but they were outrageously priced or really low priced. And so what we found is I started to think creatively. I'm like, how do I find somebody who knows how to do a structure like this or could possibly learn? And so the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, okay, the taper part is what makes it very complicated. If it were just a straight up and down roundhouse, it wouldn't have been that hard. But who knows how to do roundhouses? What are some different roundhouses? So I went down this like rabbit hole of trying to find who can frame a roundhouse in Idaho. And I wasn't getting anywhere. And then I came across what I remembered was the silo houses. So I don't know if you've ever seen these grain bins, but a lot of times people can convert them into a livable home. It's super cool. They're really awesome. And I came across some grain bins that were converted into homes. And so I just reached out to that person and said, Hey, on Instagram, I love what you do. Do you have like five minutes of your time? Can I just like hop on the phone with you and chat? and thankfully, he was able to say, yeah, sure, so once I got him on the phone, I was able to kind of chat through to see, you know, did you frame this? Did you hire a framer? Like, how did this all work, and the guy told me that he had hired a framer to do all of the work, and the guy was about 45 minutes away from the project that we're working on, so of course, I reached out to him. I name-dropped the heck. Hey, so-and-so referred me. They said, you did a great job on their silos. Are you willing to chat about Maybe taking on a new project. And thank God this person said yes. They were interested. They were qualified. They liked it. They thought it was a fun challenge. And that's how we found our framer. But I'm telling you, if we didn't start thinking a little bit more creatively on how are we going to find this person, we would have completely overpaid because it's a different, unique build. Or We just, I mean, I think we would have got overpaid no matter what. Like, it's just crazy. So that was like my big saving grace. So if you're going through this process, I guess the lesson I would give you is not to take no for an answer and be willing to think creatively creatively. Because if we just would have went with the first person that said, yeah, I'll do it, and this is how much it'll cost, we would have been kind of in trouble. We would have been way over budget, which, of course, we will be over budget. We're going to get to that. But it would have been way over budget. And so you have to really approach things like very creatively. And remind yourself that sometimes the different types of builders are not good for you. So so there's low-end builders. There's kind of that mid-builder where they do like a medium job. You know, it's like mid-grade houses. And then you have like a high-end custom builder, But unique homes don't fit in any of those categories. They're kind of often their own thing. And so finding a whole segment of people that do unique building is a little bit trickier. It takes a lot more time because it's not the norm. And so because of that, you have to just be a little bit more creative. You have to ask a lot of questions. Whenever I get bids, I ask questions. Can you tell me why it's this much money? Can you help me understand this quote? Your ability to ask questions is so key because... The transparency, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. The transparency in this industry as a whole is very slim. Like you're kind of going in blind and there's not a lot of repercussions if you do get ripped off. And how do I know that? Because we did get ripped off with the dome. And so of course there are some certain facts and checks that you can do, but ultimately you're kind of waving a big flag of money around and you have to do your homework to make sure that you did at least as much as you possibly can to prevent yourself from getting screwed over in the process. What those checks are, in case you're curious, it's making sure that your contractor is registered in your state. By law, contractors have to be registered. So make sure that they actually are. That is a key piece. You also want to make sure that if you hire a general contractor, they actually pay their subcontractors on time and in full. Because if they don't, what can happen is the subcontractor can come back to you as the homeowner, if you hire a general contractor. And let's say that GC is not paying them You're in trouble because that subcontractor can put a lien on your property and then they can also force you to pay them. So essentially, you're paying twice. So that's why it's so key that you do pay very close attention to who you hire and you do your homework on who you're hiring because they can come back to bite you hard. The other piece, too, that I think is really important when you're hiring a contractor is making sure that they have insurance. I will not work with a contractor that isn't registered and insured at a minimum. It's that important because if anything happens to them on the property, you want to make sure that it's not being you that's liable for that. They have their own form of insurance. And so it is really key that you do be careful and you do your homework. So that's just two little checkpoints that you can do. You can always ask for referrals, like let's be real. It's kind of like job resumes. They're going to send you their best ones. So it may not be an accurate representation, but it can help. So should we talk about managing the budget? This piece has been kicking my trash. The way that we're doing managing the budget is I have the Airbnb money, and that's basically sitting in a high yield savings account so it can earn a little tiny bit of interest. And then once I hit certain deadlines within Airbnb, we get another lump sum of payment. So the way that this has been working for us is we have been shopping as frugally as we possibly can. I bought used quartz slabs off of Facebook Marketplace and found somebody to cut them. So I have to go drop that off this week. That was $150. I found a brand new interior door, which thankfully I only need one. It's a small house. That was 50 cents. Can you believe that? At Lowe's. It was crazy. That was such a good deal. So I have an interior door. I just bought a Dutch door for the back of the flower pot for $70. That was pretty, pretty amazing. Actually, we bought brand new windows. So all of this stuff, you start to piece it apart by almost segment of the build. So all of the interior, we're trying to cash flow out of our own pockets and then using the funds from What we, the Airbnb fund, essentially what we're using that for is the bigger pieces, the concrete foundation, the framing, the stucco, the roofing, that kind of stuff, basically getting it all exterior ready. So then I can come in, do some drywall, do some plaster, all of that kind of fun piece. That's what we're hoping for. The other thing that I like to do with projects like these is I like to view this as trade-offs. Like Just like your personal finances, everything is a trade-off. You say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so the way that I have viewed this with the flower pot is every little decision. Like for example, there's a roof hatch that will lead you to the top of the flower pot and a small like rooftop patio where you can sip some coffee, do some stargazing, like all the fun stuff. One of the decisions we had to make is when this roof hatch, do we do just a plain roof hatch with no window, just like, you know, just pretty basic, or do we do a roof hatch with a skylight window? Now, the skylight window is, with all of the fees and everything, it's about $1,100 more than just the plain one. Now, $1,100 might seem like not that much money, but when you're making lots of decisions like this, it really does add up. And so for us, the way I have to ask myself is, would I rather have this skylight roof hatch, or do we want to buy... The front door that is $900 that would basically pay for that. So we're constantly making these trade offs and saying, okay, well, what if we do this? What are we saying no to? How do we reallocate the budget? And so that's how we've been trying to approach the budget. Obviously, tracking our spending just like you would with your personal life. We have our budget for category, we have our foundation costs. That's our budget. We have our framing budget. So we have each of these different segments of the bu- the build just broken into its own budget. And then we can start to monitor each category individually and then look at the budget as a whole. And this perfectly leads into the next point with this type of project, and that is the financing piece. So we were really fortunate with this that We received some prize money from the fund to help pay for some of the costs. And my mom already owned the land. Now this is family land kind of right by where I grew up as a kid. Actually, it's kind of fun. And so the lot is a few, it's, well, it's on one acre. So we're building on one acre, but my mom has owned this land forever, It's been in our family for over 65 years. It's always just been farmland. It's never been developed. It's kind of crazy if you really think about it. And so we are finally developing that one little piece of land. So we didn't have to pay for land. And we also got, you know, essentially $100,000 minus taxes to be able to spend on the build. So it is a huge leg up. Like if I were to do this project again and build it from scratch, shoot, man, If I were to hire contractors, I think the entire cost of the project, including land, would probably be just shy of like $300,000 for a tiny house. It's so crazy. But because of that, because we had those two leg ups, it's not that expensive. So we will probably need to take out some type of a loan. We're looking at a commercial Loan for the business because it's it's going to be in an LLC. The land will be quick claim deed into the LLC, which is a fancy way of saying that LLC legally owns everything with the business. And so, when you do that, we're looking for business loans. And so, it's a little bit different, but the process of getting a commercial loan is something that we're currently going through. So, I'll keep you posted on that. And we anticipate that we'll need probably about eighty-five thousand dollars to finish this project off. So the way I'm looking at this as a whole is it is incredibly, incredibly expensive to do these types of projects if you're not doing the work yourself. If you're doing the work yourself and you're skillful enough, you can do it for much, much cheaper. But if you don't have the time or the skill and you have to hire somebody, these unique builds are not cheap. They really aren't. They're really cool. I actually really believe in the business model behind it significantly, but it's not cheap. And so I do think if you're considering doing any type of build like this, I, I mean, I hope that this helps you in some way. I think it's fascinating to see the process behind it and what better way to show the process than being directly in the middle of this and a few weeks away from breaking ground. So wish us luck as we progress. Let's pray to God we get the the August 1st deadline. And if you want to follow the progress, it's on Instagram at Idaho Flowerpot or at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co you can follow along there too. All right, that's it for today. Let me know if you enjoyed this episode more of a casual update. If you did, then I'll maybe do more. Appreciate you hope you're having a great week and I will see you next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye.